What's up, everybody? It's your girl, Candace Lodre, your favorite family life coach, coming to you again this week with your Celebrity Lemonade. I hope you all had an amazing weekend and week. You guys know that I love Fridays because Fridays is podcast day. So I get to come to you with a new topic and hopefully that it will be entertaining for your ears and you get to receive my perspective on whatever is going on in the celebrity world. Um, This week, unfortunately, I wish I could say that the topic is going to be light and fun and entertaining, but uh, we are going to be talking about something very serious since we lost a beloved celebrity uh, this week. And it's surrounding a topic I think we do not discuss enough within not only our community, but within society. So this week's topic is speaking the unspoken, dealing with suicide from all sides, Kate Spade and her legacy. So as you guys know, I like to give you a little history about the celebrity that we're covering. So here we go. Miss Kate Spade was an American fashion designer and businesswoman. She was the founder and former co-owner of the designer brand Kate Spade New York. Um, Unfortunately, this week, Kate Spade passed away on June 5th, 2018 of an apparent suicide. Anytime that I have um, seen a Kate Spade bag or anytime I think of Kate Spade, I can honestly say the first word that comes to mind is classic. I feel like any of her bags could go with anything and they still make you feel and look as if you were high society. Um, I definitely put her in the Rams of the Chanel's and the Michael Kors and the coaches and definitely the prices was of those (laughs) that I mentioned too. Um, but it was worth it because if you got a case payback, you know that it was timeless and you can use it over and over if you wanted to, and it will still be in fashion and it will still be current. And so through interviews that I've seen um, of her, you can truly tell that she was meticulous, but yet quirky. Like she had a, a dynamic personality to where you just wanted to get to know more about her and who she was. And she definitely had a unique vibe to her that helped you understand why she was such a genius at what she did. Um, she took her work very seriously. She definitely had a passion for fashion, as they say. And she truly did appear to be well-loved by her family and friends. And unfortunately, she sadly leaves behind a daughter that will forever have a mother uh, that has impacted the world in a huge and unforgettable way. Um, so it is truly when I... I I can actually remember what I was doing when I saw the um, alert come on my phone that she passed. I was working on (laughs) some things for my business and, you know, like you get that doo-doo-doo, you know, the alert on your phone. And then I looked at it and then I saw Kate Spade passed away and it almost didn't register because I'm like, they can't be talking about Kate Spade, the designer. You know, she's young and 
Um, again, she appeared to have so much going on in her life. Everything seemed good. She's really not in, um, and she really hasn't had any scandals or anything following her where she hasn't been in the news at all, really. And it took a second for it to actually register that it said passed away. Like I had to reread it to make sure that I read it correctly. And then I just had to sit there for a moment with it like wow like you know she's gone like it's just and again it reminds you like in a blink of an eye someone can be here and then someone um cannot and then when I opened up the story and read that it was from an apparent suicide that really just kind of um took me for a whirlwind and so as I began reading more in the article and seeing as far as their speculations and unfortunately well some say fortunately some say unfortunately she left a note and the things she detailed within the note that they were able to say um it really brought me to a place where I knew that this needed to be discussed um there were some other topics that I had in mind that I wanted to talk about today that was more fun and more vibrant or more ratchet (laughs) almost in a way but again I think that this is a topic that we do need to begin to discuss more Um, unfortunately looking at statistics um, it has shown that within this year alone that the suicide rate has increased at least 20% and so um, 20% is too much And so we definitely need to begin to try to take more preventive measures as far as protecting not only ourselves, but those that are around us um, from having to reach these levels of sadness to the point where we feel like our purpose here on earth is no longer needed. Um, Sorry if you guys hear my cat. (laughs) Miss Destiny on a podcast she wants to join in for whatever reason right now she needs some attention so if you hear a little purr that's my uh cat that I have who is literally like 102 years old at this point (laughs) but as you guys know I try to keep it a little light and not so you know dark because we are surrounded by so much negativity and craziness nowadays but what you will get out of this podcast is information. I hope you leave informed and um, take these things in and utilize it within your own lives. So um, definitely within this podcast, I want to address how to deal with family members or relatives that have attempted or committed suicide and um, provide resources and tips on things that you can do as far as if you've had those thoughts yourself. So first, we want to kind of go to the basics and talk about what are the causes of suicidal thoughts. So most common situations or life events that could cause suicidal thoughts could be grief, obviously the loss of a loved one, a family member, a friend, um, any type of abuse, whether it's mental, physical, or sexual abuse, um, financial problems, you know, if you have 
all of a sudden lost an income in a household or you've taken a, a downgrade in pay, um, not able to pay bills on time, not able to be able to uh, keep up with uh, different bills and things of that nature. That is um, different financial problems that can come about that can cause suicidal thoughts. Remorse. Um, if you've done anything that you believe that could have caused harm or hurt someone else, whether it is committing a crime, whether it is cheating on your boyfriend or girlfriend, those are things that you could be so remorseful for because you can't deal with the consequences of it that you it will cause you to have suicidal thoughts. Rejection or relationship breakup, uh, those are common as well. Um, being in love with someone or desiring someone that does not show those same feelings back. Um, being in a relationship for a short or long period of time and a person decides to walk away from the relationship, depending on your attachment to that person, that rejection or that breakup could cause you to have suicidal thoughts where you feel like there's no more reason to live. And lastly, unemployment. Um, you know, as they say now, it's been reported that the economy is definitely rising and they have more jobs than they do people who need work. Um, you know, there was a time where the unemployment rate was very high. And it definitely, if you, not only if you by yourself, but if you have a family to take care of and you're not able to provide an income to take care of that family and you're depending on other people or other resources to help you, it can cause you to feel like you're worthless and you're not living up to your position or role um, in this life. And therefore, it could cause you to want to end your life, unfortunately. So those are definitely common situations or life events that could cause suicidal thoughts and why for some people they may seem very light and not that serious and very surface for others. Those things could really cause a person to get in a place in their life or point in their life where they feel that there's no reason to live anymore or move forward in life. Um, so moving forward, one thing that I think that a lot of individuals overlook um, is mental illness and family history of mental illness, I should say. Um, sometimes, especially within the black community, you know, I, I things that come to my mind when I talk about this is hearing those stories about a random relative that people would honestly just talk surface about just <laughs> literally just be on the surface about what's going on with them so you know you would see the person at a family reunion and you'd be like oh you know what whatever happened to you know Tommy and they'd be like oh you know Tommy went crazy you know for a second and he just never got back right and it's like okay so what happened it's like oh ain't no point in getting into that you know but you, you just know that Tommy got a little something wrong with him and, and you know, he just never got right. That's all you need to worry about. Or you have that, you go to a relative's house and you see random pictures of this person that nobody talks about. And you're like, 
Oh, so who is this? Oh, that's uh, that's Teresa. That's Aunt Teresa, baby. And it's like, oh, what happened to Aunt Teresa? Oh, we don't talk about that, baby. You know, Aunt Teresa had some issues going on with her and unfortunately she she didn't survive it so you just you make sure you just pray for pray for her sisters and her mama and stuff because yeah that's a situation we don't talk about so those listening I know you've had those experiences like I said especially within the black community that sometimes we don't talk more in detail about situations with certain family members and most of the time it's concerning mental illness and we're just getting to a place now where i believe we are starting to openly talk about it a little bit more um comfortably to where we are able to actually say yeah well you know tommy was schizophrenic and tommy's dad who wasn't in his life was schizophrenic and unfortunately he has a mental illness and that's the why he acts the way he acts or Teresa was very depressed. Aunt Teresa was very depressed because Uncle Junior left her. And unfortunately, you know, Aunt Teresa decided to end her life. You know, those are the discussions we should be having instead of saying, oh, we don't talk about that. You know, that's too deep. That's too much. You just, you just know that Aunt Teresa was a good woman or she was a good person or... Oh, we don't talk about Tommy. You know, we don't talk about what's going on with him. He was, he just got a little, he just a little off. You know, hearing those statements, unfortunately, doesn't allow you to understand what your family has going on (laughs) in your family. And unfortunately, mental illness can be hereditary. And so if, Cousin Tommy had schizophrenia and Aunt Teresa had depression. Who's to say that you may not be affected by that um, in your lifetime? Or who's to say your mama wasn't? Or who's to say, you know, grandma wasn't? So it's definitely very, very important to know your family history. Don't just walk away when grandma or auntie or uncle just say, oh, we don't talk about that. Ask those questions. Say, you know, do we have any um, mental illnesses that run within the family? You know, have we had anyone in the family that have committed suicide? When you ask those questions and you're more informed, you're able to take care of yourself better because then you're able to know okay, maybe I need to get an assessment or maybe I need to research and see why I act a certain way because it may be linked to what's within my family. And there is no shame. There is no, um, there shouldn't be any shame, I should say, with that. Because again, when you're informed, you're able to do better and you're able to treat whatever is going on with you. So while it can probably be challenging and it can probably be scary to um, approach um, finding out some information like that, it's needed. It's needed because it's for your own well-being. I always say this repeatedly that 
We can easily go to the doctor and go get checkups for colds and for flus and for any illnesses that we have physically going on within our body. But when it comes to our mental health, we shy away from it or we don't feel that it's that important to check check in with. And so we definitely got to get to a better place. And I say got, <laughs> we got to get to a better place where we are starting to take care of ourselves holistically, not just focusing physically on ourselves, but focusing on ourselves emotionally and mentally, because that will make us a well-rounded, better person. So check your family history. Talk to those within your family about mental illness and see what's going on because it can help you in the future. So moving forward, now that we didn't covered the causes of suicidal thoughts, we're going to move forward into the warning signs. So these are signs that can show you that a person may be thinking about harming themselves, um, attempting suicide or committing suicide. So warning sign number one, talking about wanting to die and kill themselves. That's pretty obvious and straightforward. So you obviously will know that that person has those thoughts if they're saying it. Don't take them lightly. I say that to clients all the time. You cannot take that lightly. If a person is joking around saying, oh, I don't want to be here no more. I kill myself right now. Don't take it lightly. And if that person is taking it lightly and joking around, you let them know that ain't nothing to play with. You don't say those type of things because if tomorrow, you know, we show up at your house and you no longer here anymore, then we got to live with that guilt on our brain all day. So you definitely don't want to take those type of statements lightly. Looking for a way to kill themselves. You know, if you have um, a person around you that, is talking about they were researching, you know, um, ways to harm themselves, ways to kill themselves, or you watching a movie and they'll be like, man, that's a good way to die. You know, I, I, you know, I wouldn't mind dying like that. Saying little statements like that, that's a sign to show that that person may be thinking about, um, attempting suicide, talking about feeling hopeless or having no reason to live. Uh, that's definitely a sign um, of a person that's wanting to kill themselves because they feel like they have nothing to live for. Their hope is gone. Um, they are in a place where they don't feel like their purpose here on earth is worthy or needed. So that that's something to keep in mind and take seriously if a person is stating those statements. Talking about feeling trapped or experiencing unbearable pain. If you're around someone that is state making statements like, I, I can't deal with this pain anymore. It's just constant. I wake up, I'm in pain. I go to sleep, I'm in pain. Um, this experience doesn't allow me to breathe or feel as though that I can uh, move forward. I just feel like this pain is going to last forever. Those are also signs that the person hurting themselves. The next um, warning sign that you may have is, or a warning sign that a person may display is talking about being a burden to others. If you have that family member or friend that 
always is making excuses of why um, their presence is a burden onto others, that's a warning sign. They will say statements like, oh, girl, I'm sorry. I know that I'm always the Debbie Downer and I... Or girl, or man, I'm sorry, I'm around, man. I know that I, I, I'm just, I'm just dead weight. Like I don't bring nothing to the party. Or, oh man, I, I'm sorry. I, you know, I know that I shouldn't even be here. Y'all don't even want me here. I'm sorry, I'm bothering you. If they're saying this on a consistent basis all the time, that's definitely a warning sign as far as to pay attention to. Just to do a check in to say, you know, is everything all right? Um, now you do have those individuals that may say that these statements that I'm saying now, once in a while, these are things that you're hearing constantly. And it also goes with physical, uh, mannerisms too, that I'm also going to talk about that you have to look out for. But again, talking about being a burden to others is a warning sign. Increasing the use of alcohol or drugs. Now, being realistic here, I know that we're in a day and age that um, individuals are using recreational drugs increasingly um, because it's now becoming more popular than it was 10 to 15 years ago. Uh, If you want to talk about weed, if you want to talk popping pills, if you want to just talk about socially drinking, you know, that may not seem like out of the norm. Um, and you may be like, man, you kind of jumping the gun with that one. But if you have a person that normally doesn't drink or normally doesn't um, take drugs on an excessive level and all of a sudden that's all they doing, you know, they waking up, they drinking, afternoon, they smoking, Evening, they popping pills like it on an ex- excessive basis. Definitely a warning sign. It's something to look out for. Um, I know we all know functional drug <laughs> drug addicts and functional um, alcoholics, but we're talking about the ones that normally don't participate in that behavior, or even the ones that do, but is moved to a level of excessiveness where beyond what you've ever seen before out of that person. That's definitely a warning sign. Another one, acting anxious or agitated, behaving recklessly. Um, This is an individual that literally is taking risk all the time and unnecessary risk. You know, you guys are driving and all of a sudden... They like, you know, let me hang out the window while we on the expressway. Or this is a person that never rode a motorcycle before and trying to ride one without a helmet and trying to go <laughs> 100 miles an hour on a, on the regular neighborhood street. Um, this is a person that you guys are going out and they getting into it with people at the party and trying to cause a fight for no reason and knowing that it could put them and the other people around them in danger that's that's a person behaving recklessly or someone that's always anxious and agitated meaning you can say hey to that person and they're like 
on edge, like, why you say hi to me that way? What, you got a problem? What, what you want to do something like that individual, you definitely need to check in with and say, hey, is everything good? Because that could be a warning sign. Um, sleeping too little or too much. Um, again, I know we all know some people that literally can maneuver through life without that much sleep or we know that person that could literally sleep their life away and it's not a big deal um again this is uh things that are out of this individual's behavior if this person normally you know gets their regular hours of sleep and all of a sudden they're like yeah i've been up for three days or this individual um normally is active have a regular routine going and then all of a sudden every time you talk to them they saying they've been sleeping in for most of the day that's a warning sign that you need to uh pay attention to withdrawing and feeling isolated this can be kind of confusing because we all know introverts <laughs> that like to be by themselves, that don't really like to party, that don't really like to be in the social atmosphere. And so I don't want you to take that as like, ooh, yeah, I need to check on uh I need to check on Denise because Denise don't never like to go out nowhere. Denise always be, you know, canceling on us and trying to stay in. If Denise always does this, most likely she's an introvert. <laughs> it's not that she's trying to kill herself. But if you have that person that's normally sociable and then all of a sudden, every time you guys are like, hey, you know, we, we going to the bar, we going to the club, or we going to the barbecue, and they're like, no, I, I'm good, I want to stay in, uh, and they canceling on you, more than they ever have done in your whole friendship or as long as you've been relatives, that's a warning sign. So you want to definitely pay attention to that. Showing rage or talking about seeking revenge. This is a, this is a warning sign too where a person, again, it kind of goes with the whole anxious and agitated. All of a sudden... You know, this person is normally a cool, collected person. They don't really let things get to them. And all of a sudden, something happens to them. And they are in full-blown rage. Like, tip, you know, like pushing over tables and knocking over chairs. And, you know, threatening to harm everybody in the room. That's a warning sign. Or, again seeking revenge you know if this person that you know either a relative or a friend again is normally pretty cool and collected they get angry but not to the extent and all of a sudden they calling you telling you they didn't bust out their boyfriend's car for doing something to them <laughs> and this ain't nowhere near in their and their MO, as we used to say, <laughs> they are nowhere near like that as far as their personality. That's something to take heed to um, as far as to do a check-in and say, hey, is everything good? Because this is not in your behavior. And lastly, displaying extreme mood swings, which is kind of 
all of these that I covered, um, this is associated with bipolar disorder, which mental illness is normally connected with um, a person that's suicidal. Uh, if a person, again, you talk to them on Monday, they're, you know, sluggish, they're tired, they don't want to be bothered, they're irritated, they're pretty much answering you with one word um, and basically just talking negative. Tuesday, you see them, they're literally like coming to your house, wanting to kick it and hang out. Y'all going to all these different places. They overly happy, overly excited, overly extra. (laughs) Then Wednesday, they just like acting like nothing happened for the first two days. Those are extreme mood swings. And it's definitely something that you need to check in with to see if everything is all good. So those are the warning signs. I know it was a lot. <laughs> I hope I didn't lose anybody. But there are warning signs and it's a lot to look out for. But it's important to recognize and know what those warning signs are because, again... If you see these things happening, don't be afraid to ask the questions. Don't be afraid to approach and say, hey, you know, as your friend, as your sister, as your cousin, as your brother, as your mother, as your father, I see these things and I'm concerned about you. So I need you to let me know what's going on because If you don't know and ain't nobody told you, you need to be here. You're worthy. You're awesome. You're amazing. You're beautiful. We need your presence here. They need to hear that stuff because you never know once they leave your sight if they're going to contemplate about harming themselves to the point that they will not be here tomorrow for you to talk to. So how to help someone who have attempted suicide um is not an easy task. Uh as I give you these tips, they're definitely tips as far as to start the journey. Um but it's definitely not something that is the end all as far as these tips. There is extensive work that can be done as far as from a professional to help that individual and with your support, with professional help, that person can be able to get back to a place where they feel that they belong here and that their presence is needed. So create a safe space where a person feels loved, cared about, accepted, supported, and understood. Um, and creating a safe space, that's definitely like a counseling term or a coaching term, as you would say, it all it honestly means a a space with no judgment a space that allows that person to feel free in being whatever they are in that state if that person is angry and upset about a life event that happened that may have caused them to want to commit suicide allow them to experience those emotions 
Don't judge. Don't try to give your two cent in. Just let them vent and get it out. If they just want to cry the whole time, let them cry. If they just want to talk about every depressing thing that is going on at that moment in time, let them do it. If they just need you to be there in silence, do it. That's creating a safe space. That's allowing them to be where they are in that moment, in that time, without feeling like they have someone ready to jump on them or provide their expertise or to tell them how they're wrong in doing X, Y, and Z. It's a space where they can just be. And so that is important and that is needed when you're encountering someone that uh, has attempted suicide. Being available and letting the person know you're there to listen. Listening is such a sacred thing that is lost, I think, within this society. You know, I think about as far as with the political and social climate that we're in and how everybody is very strong on their views and really, honestly, it feels like don't have an open ear to hear the opposing side. Sometimes if you just stop talking and you just listen it can do so much more than you actually offering advice or offering your two cent or offering whatever your opinion is. Um, a lot of times a person that has attempted suicide, they feel like they're by themselves. They feel like they're alone and no one understands them and that the world is the worst place to be. And so when you are offering yourself as just an ear to let them know that I hear you and whatever you need to get off your chest, I am there. It could literally take so much of the weight off of that person's shoulders because it's like, wow, there's actually somebody that wants to hear me and sees me for what I'm going through and what I am in this moment. So being an ear to listen can do wonders and you have to let that individual know that's what I'm here for. Try to understand the feelings and perspective of the person before exploring solutions together. You want to hear their story. You don't want to assume what they what made them get to that point. A lot of times we can be like, girl, I know you, or dude, I know what you're going through. I, I get it. I get it. You know, well, let's, let's just work this out. Let's just figure it out. It's not that simple. You're literally talking to a person that felt like their life meant nothing at that point. You're talking to a person that decided I do not want to live anymore. That when you listen to those words and take that in and reflect on it, while on the opposing side, you're like, how could you ever think that you're not worth living here anymore? That person felt like, yeah, I'm not worth it. I, I'm This world is for the birds. I'm, I'm out. So you want to make sure that you get a full understanding of what, they experience to get them to that point. And that doesn't mean you have to assume a counselor position and start asking probing questions like, so, you know, 
tell me, you know, what was the beginning of your feelings like that? Just be there again, going back to an ear to listen and say, you know, I, I'm I'm interested in knowing your story. I'm interested in knowing how did we get here? I want you to tell me every emotion you feel comfortable with telling me, every event and experience that led us up to here because I want to be here for you. And let them lead the way. Let them say what they want to say. Let them say as much and let them say as least as they want to say. And then you can offer your assistance. But when you offer it, say... I want to come to a solution together to keep you here because we need you and we love you and we appreciate you. And you just literally like fill their vessel up to the point it's overflowing. And then you allow them to make that decision on if they need your help. If they say no, you have to respectfully walk away. But if they say yes, you be ready with the resources that they need to be able to get the help that they need so they can again be the presence that we need uh, them to be in this world. So removing items from their environment that could assist them in carrying out the act, for example, drugs, alcohol, sharp objects, cleaning products, um, rope, sheets, and this may seem extreme. I know y'all probably like got the one eyebrow up like, I ain't gonna be removing nobody's sheets from their house. I get it. But depending on how they decided to carry out the act, act. You want to make sure that they are not surrounded by these things. For one, because it could be a reminder of that experience and that event. And two, it could also trigger them to maybe want to do it again. So obviously for more extreme situations if they try to unfortunately drown themselves in the tub you can't remove the tub from their bathroom but what you can do is like the items that i mentioned if they try to take pills if they try to drink drano if they you know were um drinking uh, different types of liquor you want to remove those items out of their space so they, again, won't be triggered to try to do it again or they won't be triggered by the event, period. Encourage your loved one to utilize the professional supports available to them. Now, this is kind of what I was leaning towards earlier. What you want to do is make sure that you don't try to be the expert yourself. Um, the most that we can do again is to be an ear and to listen. But seeking out professional help, these are individuals that specialize in these things. These are individuals that have the time to be able to dedicate to this person after just that one day after the event happened. And they are able to have the tools and resources for them to continue on their care longer than like i said the day after you know it's almost like with grief sometimes 
it, it's unfortunate, but it happens. You know, people lose a loved one that first week. Everybody is calling. Everybody's checking in. Everybody's helping out. Everybody is around. And then two weeks go by and three weeks go by. You start seeing the support dwindle. And that's honestly because as humans, we got to get on with our lives. But that person is still grieving. That person is still dealing with that issue. So you want to make sure that you connect them with someone that specializes in this area so that when you're not able to dedicate the time to them to support them and be there for them, they have someone in place that can give them that time that they need. So, so moving forward... I know we talked about as far as helping someone that has um, attempted uh, suicide, but if you have been an individual that have thought about attempting ending your life, for one, I have to start off with saying there is no shame. Um, You are not judged. You are not shamed. Everyone has their own struggles that they deal with and they experience, and our thresholds are different. And so if you have been in a place where you felt like you could not move on and could not exist on this earth anymore, it's okay. It's okay to feel that way. But what we want to make sure is that you don't carry out the act because we need you. While you may think that your purpose or your place in life is ignored or you have done so much wrong in your life that you can't move forward from or that you feel as though that there is no upside from it I'm telling you that it is and the things that I mentioned as far as for someone to help someone is the same resources you can use for yourself finding a group or finding an individual that can provide that safe space for you, find it. Have finding someone that has that open ear to listen to you, seek it. Um, individuals that understand what you're going through, your feelings and your perspective. There are so many support groups out there that are focused on this issue. It's available, and I I pray that you utilize it. You know, removing yourself from... I Removing certain items out of your environment or, you know, removing yourself from an environment that caused you to feel those thoughts or have those thoughts. You can do it. It's possible. You can remove that stuff from your life. Um... And again, seeking professional help is the first step. It's the first step of getting to that rainbow, getting to that um, purpose, getting to a place where you believe again that your purpose is worthy to be in this world or you are meant to be here. And so don't be afraid, don't be ashamed. It is so many of us out here that are dealing with issues and things of that nature that you are not alone. 
So seeking help is the first step of basically recovering and renewing and finding you again. So I strongly, strongly encourage that. I unfortunately left out one step, uh, which is a very important step. And that is considering assisting a person to write a safety plan that would detail the steps they need to take to keep themselves safe if they feel suicidal. I'm going to attach a link um, to on my website, which is www.candicelodre.com, where you can go to resources and you can find the link. And I will be actually, I'm most likely I'm going to just post up the PDF file as well. And you will be able to download it where you can see in detail what needs to be included in a safety plan. So that if you ever come to this place again, whether it's you or someone that you're helping that had suicidal thoughts, you can go to this plan and it will walk you through the action steps you need to take to remove those thoughts from your mind and get back to being you and finding again your purpose and understanding back in life and hopefully getting peace to where you don't have to go back to those thoughts again. So most importantly, um, there is a hotline that you can call for a person or for yourself, which is the National Prevention Suicide Hotline. And that number is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. Download that number in your phone. Um, Keep it somewhere close. You never know when you may be in a situation with a family member or a friend that needs you to act quickly. And that would definitely, that number is the hub of resources and assistance that an individual needs to um, remove those thoughts out of their mind and get back to a place of peace and understanding of knowing that they have a purpose for being here. So I wanted to conclude this podcast with my own personal testimony with this subject. Um, I myself attempted to try to kill myself in high school. Um, I talked about previously in a podcast where I discussed being involved in a emotional and physical um, abusive relationship, and it was in my sophomore year. And I also were going through other issues on top of that. Um, my mother and myself did not have um, a great relationship. I was going through my teenage hormones and all over the place. My mother was going through her personal issues. She was working constantly and um, not really able to be at home. But when we were at home together, it seemed like it was World War II 
Um, my father at the time, if I'm not mistaken, he was in Atlanta. Um, he served in the army. And so he wasn't around or there for me to talk to or kind of get my issues out. And I had extremely low self-esteem. Um, I had skin problems, so I was breaking out all the time and just like embarrassed about the way I looked. And it was it was a very troubling time. And I remember that one day I was home alone and I decided to take a bath and I just thought about that, you know, I didn't understand or knew why I should be here anymore. I basically thought that there was no purpose for me to be here. And I just started thinking about all of the stuff that was going on in my life. And as a teenager, it felt monumental. Like it, it just was overwhelming and overcoming. And while looking back, you know, I may can say, oh, those are things that if I could tell <laughs> my 15-year-old, 16-year-old self, oh, believe me, those things shall pass and you will make it through. At the time, I didn't see it. I thought that this was going to be my life forever. And I decided to go underwater and I didn't come up for... A long period of time and I cannot swim <laughs> so it wasn't like I can hold my water under um and I hold my breath underwater but I I was struggling I remember like I can remember having a conversation in my head like my body was telling me to lift up and lift myself up but my thoughts was like you have to stay down. If you want to do this, you have to stay underwater. You have to stay underwater. So, um, I don't know what was the breakthrough of me actually coming up above water, but I did. And I remember after that, actually being upset with myself that I didn't follow through with it. And so... I, you know, got out the tub and I got dressed, got in the bed, went to sleep. And I don't, I think that it took maybe a, a couple of months before my mother was able to see that I was not right. Like something was off. And so she had sent me to see a counselor, a therapist. And actually a psychiatrist, I should say that correctly, to see a psychiatrist. Um, and that's when I revealed to the psychiatrist what happened. And they diagnosed me of being clinically depressed. And that was a very, that was a very rough time for me because then, of course, I came from that thinking like, oh, something's wrong with me. I didn't been diagnosed with something and I also got these other issues going on. But as I continue treatment and continue seeing a psychiatrist, I was able to get off of medication after about maybe three months, um, which they thought that I should have been on there from six months to a year. 
Um, I was able to, honestly, I felt like turn my life around. I began to see my self-worth. I began to understand as, as far as what my purpose was um, in life at the time and started to understand that these things are moments and not lifetime events that last forever. And it it, it was definitely beneficial for me to seek professional help and I don't know if I would be here if it didn't happen if I didn't because during those few months I definitely thought about doing it again before I actually went to seek professional help and so I didn't tell anybody or tell any of my family or anything and nobody asked either so also that that it took my mom a few months just to notice something was going on. And so you definitely need to stay in tune with people around you. You know, I know that we have our own personal issues and have our own lives going on. But sometimes God give us little nudges about things or individuals in our circle to say, hey, something isn't right. Follow that gut instinct. Follow that nudge. Follow that whisper that God gives you and check in on that person or check in with yourself. And if God is telling you it's time to, you know, see somebody for this or talk to somebody about about this or just to get more in tune with what's going on with you, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Because it truly is beneficial. So again, I'm happy to say (laughs) that I am here and I am happily married and I have four amazing, beautiful children and I have my own business and I, you know, went to school, graduated. Like you could have not told me in that moment that I would be where I am today. And so that's why I can confidently say for those that have thought about harming themselves to the point of leaving this earth better days are yet to come that is not just a statement it is a reality and it is truth better days are truly yet to come so if you can hold on to that statement and trust me in that i'm telling you you will have a testimony just like i do on the way it it surely will be on the way so (laughs) that was deep i hope that you all gained something from this podcast again i will repeat the national prevention suicide hotline it is 1-800-273-8255 if you know anybody that needs it again or if it's for yourself utilize that number Don't forget to follow me on all the different social platforms I am on. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at the CL brand. Um, Check me out to, uh, I do now Facebook Lives on Facebook, obviously, um, on a topic that I'm covering that week. And then Mondays, I do an Insta Minute where I do a video on the topic of the week as well. So 
I'm out here, <laughs> as they say. So check me out. Definitely hit up my hub, Um, Have everything that you need to know about me on there. I have free resources that you can download. I have books. I have apparel. I have accessories. Contact me. Let me know your comments, your thoughts. Um, I would love to hear from you. I will respond back. And again, I enjoy doing this podcast. I love sharing my story with you all. I hope you love hearing it. And I will see you guys next week.